So this morning, as we said, we're finishing up our series <coughs> on smashing stupid mindsets. And this year, I was just going to quickly go over it. Our focus this year as a church family is decontaminate. We say decontaminate. Yeah, decontaminate. And what does that mean? It's to remove dangerous substances from an area. This morning, what I'm going to be sharing with you is going to be stretching. It's going to, you know, shift you a little bit. It's going to rock you, sock you, pick you up and not drop you. <clears throat> but it's, it's really just to, to stir you up because I know that there is, there's more for you. That's really why I have this on my heart to, to share with you this morning. And the mindset that we're going to smash today is the goal in life is to live comfortably. Oh, man, are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. So let's, let's go, all right? Shirt comes off. It's, I'm actually just really sweating, so I'm taking that off. <laughs> so if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to lay a quick foundation. But the goal in life is to live comfortably, and that's the mindset we are going to smash today. And just because I know God has more in store for you, He's got more in store for this church, He's got more in store for this city, and so what He needs is He needs a church that's not just interested in comfortable, but is interested in pressing out and reaching out. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Are you ready? Yeah. I know. Are you ready? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm talking like dangerously ready. Because, you know, when we, when, when is the church? It's not just, you know, this, you know, a bunch of wimpy people who needed a crutch in life and come and gather. No, we're actually called, according to 1 Samuel, we're the army of God. He calls us an army. So what good does God need? He needs an alert and a ready army. Not just, well, you know, this is, this is cool. I'll just do my thing in Red Deer. No, no, no. We're part of something that's bigger than Red Deer, bigger than Canada. We're part of a heavenly call. And that's what we're part of. You're part of it. And so Genesis chapter 1, I want to just lay out the foundation for who you are, what God had created you for. So Genesis 1, verse 1, and I know you all know this verse, but I want you to see this. In the beginning, God what? Created. created. Say created. created. He created the heavens and the earth. And as you read all throughout Genesis, you'll see, and God said, let there be light. God said, let the, the, you know, the seas come forth, let the earth break forth, let the mountains, the, the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, and all the animals that creep... He spoke it and he created something, right, which is wonderful. But in verse 26, this is where it gets real fun. Verse 26 says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And what do we say? In the beginning, God created. God created. So then he said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky and the livestock, all the wild animals of the earth, and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So to be like God, to be in the image of God, to be just like Him, means that you and I are creators. We are creators. Anybody enjoy creating things? Man, you can see even, I have got two little boys right now, and our oldest son, Jace, actually, well, Max, really, the one that's sleeping right here. <laughs> I don't know why he's sleeping during his dad's message, but we'll talk later, son. Uh, <laughs> But he's always interested. He always wants you. When the first thing that anybody comes over, oh, Nana, Oma, Mama, Papa, uh, draw a puppy. So right away, he's got pencil. He wants to draw things. That's all part of creativity. He wants to see, uh, draw this, do this, spell my name. It's all creativity. You were born to be creative. Right? That's your design. That's who you are. Whether you realize it or not, you are creative. Say, I'm creative. I'm creative. Why can I say that? It's because just with Genesis 1.26, I'm made in his image. I am just like him. Everything about me, I'm just like who he is. Right. 
Okay, you got that. Now, in, in, to create, the definition for it is to bring into existence and to cause something to happen as a result of one's own actions. Now, another word for create is actually to produce. So what are you? You're not only a creator, but you are a producer. Right? A producer is someone who establishes something, who creates something out of nothing. You, you put something forth into place. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, it says this. So, this is Paul speaking, and right after he heard that, you know, the church is, you know, they have their love for all the church, love for all the people in God's, uh, God's kingdom. He said, I've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Say produce. produce. Your life is to produce every kind of good fruit. It's not just production, oh, I can produce a few things here and there. This is my, I can produce a little bit over here. No, he said produce in all things. That includes producing your relationships, producing your finances, producing your health, producing every area of your life you're able to produce out of that. He said, all the while, while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So listen, the more and more that you produce, when you see somebody who's producing a lot, I'm talking spiritual-wise now, it's a result from knowing God more and more. Right? That, that goes hand in hand. The more that you come to know Jesus Christ, your Lord, your Savior, and who He is, the result is you continually produce more and more. Right? That's who you and I call to. We're not called just to get saved and you know, wait for everything to end so we can go up to heaven. That's not what it is. We, we're saved. Now he says we're called into this intimate relationship with him so that we can produce heavenly fruit, heavenly results here on earth. Not just inside, but outside. Right? We're, we're okay on this? You're, you're, you're getting it? Okay. So say, I'm, to, I'm here to produce. We were created to create, to color outside the lines, to continually advance through uncharted waters, to do works that have never been done before, to be part of something that's bigger than who we are and something that will affect eternity. Having this attitude causes us to step up, step out, and go. Now, what I want to talk about a little bit is we have an enemy to creating and producing. Does anybody know what that enemy is? Good, nobody said the devil. That's good because that's... He, he is an enemy, but that's not the enemy to it. One of the things that we must guard as creators, as producers for God, is comfort and complacency with what I've seen and what I've, what I've experienced. Because how many of you had experiences with God? Glorious, they're wonderful. But that was in the past. There's new things for you and I to discover. There's new things for us to experience. There's new things for us to explore, right? Okay, in life, we look to get to this place of comfort, and once achieved, the natural tendency is to fight, to hold on to what we've got. Anything that comes our way to bring about change, we look at it as though it were an enemy trying to steal our comfort or what we've previously already experienced. All right, so this morning, I want you to see for yourself that you are not a maintainer. You're not here to maintain anything. You're here <clears throat> to build and to create and to advance the future. Right. We need to have that mindset. We can't let the world dictate the future anymore. We, the church, are the ones that are here to dictate it. Yeah. And so how do we do that? Is getting this mindset of, I'm not here just to, you know, I'm not just a church goer. I'm a church builder. This is who I am. I am the church. I don't just go to a church. I am the church. So where, no matter what kind of business you're in, no matter what kind of relationship you're in, you're there to build it. You're there to strengthen it. You're there to advance the kingdom of God. 
So we got to get this mindset of, it's okay to maintain. You know, I'm comfortable with where I'm at. Let's go forward. Now, don't worry. This green comfy chair is going to come in handy in a sec. <clears throat> so what we're doing this morning is we are declaring a war on complacency. A war on comfort. And I don't mean comfort in the sense of having... I'm not talking about oh, being comfortable and you know, kicking your feet up and watching a movie once in a while. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying being stirred up on the inside to not be okay with just where you're at. Sometimes, you know, it's easy to kind of live this Christian life. Okay, I'm saved. Everything's good. You know, I got my kids. I got my family. We all go to church. I got a nice home. I got a nice job. I got good finances. And it's, everything's good. I got my good circle of friends. I have, me, I have three friends. I really don't have room for more. We got to grow that. We got to expand that. Because as long as you think that, you actually have a very limited use about you. God's only able to use you so much. So what I'm saying is let's expand this a little bit more so that God's able to do more with us. I want God to use this church as much as he possibly can. And what does it take? You and I opening up ourselves. Cool? Okay. So the comfy chair. Let's talk about our comfy chair. Everybody see this green comfy chair? This side you can see it. It's, it's Pastor Sheila's chair that she sits when we meet because she's a little shorter than the average bear and she, her feet have to touch the ground. So this is her comfy chair. What's that? <laughs> did I have to say that? I guess so I did. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but a lot of people's mindset is, you know what, this is just kind of the thought process in, you know, in just in life in general. If I can just get to that chair, everything will be okay. If I can just find my right husband or my right, right, the proper wife, if I can just get the best job and drive a nice vehicle and have, man, good kids and have a good job and have good friendships, Oh, man, if I could just get to that chair. Oh, son, I ain't leaving this chair. It is too good. Everybody, they fight to get to this spot. And the moment we get into this chair, we kind of think of everything else is dangerous. Everything else is trying to rob what I've already got. When, in fact, God has not only called us to, I mean, to, he's called us to have nice things, absolutely. But it's also to reach out and get, go for more. Let's grasp more. Let's reach more. Let's get more people. Let's advance the church. Let's build what you've already got. Don't just stay content with what you've got. But I like my chair. I, I like this spot. Don't you like it? It's, nobody kicks Sheila out of this chair. This is her chair. You see the doors open when we have our meeting? First one in, this is my chair. This is it. This is what I'm going after. Now, <laughs> there is no scripture in the Bible... That talks about you and I called to look for comfort and once found to remain in it. But there is plenty of scriptures that talk about trust and obedience. So I want to show you an example in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis 11. And we're going to, I'll just to put a plug in for a little later. The place that you and I are called to remain and to stay is in him. That's the only place the Bible ever tells us to stop and sit. Don't move from this spot. But let me tell you this, being in Christ, being with Him, being in continual relationship with Him, He will cause you to change continuously. <laughs> so Genesis chapter 11, this is an example, of, this is about uh, Abram and his, and his family. And I just want to show you kind of the negative side to staying put. So Genesis verse 11, sorry, Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. It says, this is the account of Terah's family. And Terah was the father of Abram. Oh, Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur, 
of the Chaldees, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Meanwhile, Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Milcah and, yeah, you don't need all that history. They basically, <laughs> you're marrying a lot of cousins and relatives. <laughs> Which was cool back then. I, I'm just not interested now. Anyways, <laughs> but Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Terah's son, or sorry, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldees. He was headed to the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Next one. Terah lived for 205 years and died while he was in Haran. Now just go back to that previous verse. It says, where were they headed? They were headed to Canaan. But what did he do? He stopped. He just stopped right there. That's it. I'm, I, I can't go anymore. That's it. So it says he lived 205 years, and then he died in Haran. But he was heading in a certain direction. So the vision, the sight to go a place was there. He had seen it, but for whatever reason, I, I can't go to Canaan. That's, it's just too much. I'm old. I'm young. My grandchildren, my son, this is his life. I, I'm staying right here. But then he says, look at this, verse, chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Then the Lord had said to Abram, and we, we start off our verse with Abraham right here. We kind of go, okay, and this is, oh, and then God said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. And we go, okay, that's where Abram started. It actually started here. When God called Abram out of this, it wasn't just like Abram was looking for it. Man, he left an entire, like his family, his father dwelt and stayed right here. And meanwhile, God's saying, I need you to leave that. This is everything Abram knew. Listen, he was 75 years at that time. You think it's time to move out of your dad's house? <laughs> but what is that? What is the result? Um, Haran, he stayed there. He dwelt there. And so think of Abram's point of view. Abram's reference is, okay, this is what he knows. He knows this whole area. He knows this chair. He knows the town that he grew up in. He knows his family is there. And yet now God says, get away from your family, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. He didn't even tell him what it was yet. He just said, I will show you. So I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. I love this. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he had left Haran. Man, I love that. It, that doesn't just go, okay, that's yeah, great, good job, Abram. This shows me that anybody at any age, at any time, can still go forward. It's not just, okay, I'm stuck. This is it for me. This is, this is what I've experienced. I mean, my dad was 205 years old, and this is how he lived his life, and this is what my family does. God is still calling people out to go to the next place with him. He's calling you for more. No matter what background you come from, no matter where you're from, no matter what culture you're coming from, God is still calling out to his kids, let's go. Next place. Next place. Don't just be like the Haran who stayed there and have this question, what could have been? That is one question you never want to ask yourself is what it could be like. 
Now, the problem with trusting and staying in your comfort zone, for example, is you miss out on what could be. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, like we know this scripture, but I want you to think of it for a sec. It says, Now to him, who by in consequence of the action of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. What's he able to do? Far exceedingly above what you could even imagine. What you could even think. But as long as we are just committed to this chair, I mean, I used to be in this place. Oh, Lord, you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all we could ask or think. Woo! According to the power that works in me. Yeah! I believe it. I believe it. Oh, this is good. This is good. I believe it, Lord. I'm expecting it. You show it. and We'll do it. No, no, he needs somebody not in this position, but in this position. You're willing to let go of this comfortable chair in order to advance and go to the next place. You can quote that scripture all day long. Man, he's able. To, he's able. You can even talk to your family. Oh, he's able. He's able. He's able. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Amen. Yeah. Listen, you may laugh, but this is a lot where the church world is at. Oh man, he's got able. Oh, he's able. I believe it. I believe it. And then Sunday afternoon. Oh God, that was a lot of work at church today. <laughs> Can you see that? So the temptation, the, the fight that we're against is complacency, is comfort. This is what I've experienced. This is what I've seen. This is what I know. This is what saved me, and this is, I'm just so comfortable where I'm at. I'm so comfortable with the few friends that I have. I'm so comfortable being used by God once a year. It's just so good. That one day a year, oh, I look forward to that one day a year. Oh, when God uses me, and I get excited for that day, and it holds me off to the next year. That's not good enough. I'm not happy with that. Are you happy with that? Okay, good. I'm in the right place. So the problem with trusting and staying in that comfort zone, like Tara, as we said, number one is you can miss out on what could be. You don't want to ask yourself, I wonder what it would have been like on the other side. Whew. Paul had to make a decision like this as well. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 23, 24, I won't turn there for time's sake. But Paul had to make this decision. He told the Philippians, and he was in prison at this time, writing this letter. And... Uh, Paul writes these words and he says, man, I have a choice between, I have a choice that I have to make. I have a choice to die and be with Christ, which is far better than what I'm in right now. But to live is better for you and more advantageous to you. So he said, I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to live. I'm going to stick around a little longer. He had a choice to make in that. To die would have just been, oh, to die? Oh yeah, let's just call it quits right here. But you know what? When he wrote that letter, he had 10 more years of ministry after that. And he saw the most glorious things yet. That's when he had his experience in the third realm that he talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He had all these experiences after he made that decision. But I'm going to stick around. Why? There's more churches to plant. There's more people to reach. There's more that I can do. So he said, for your sake, I'm getting up out of my chair. And I'm going to pursue. And I'm going to push on. I'm going to keep going forward. Now, he didn't make the, now he didn't make the decision for himself. 
I'm getting out so that I can have better lives and see all these things. My focus is I'm able to reach more. Why? Because I am the church. I've been called out of darkness and I've been placed in the kingdom of his dear son. And he gave me a job here. I'm part of something. This is who I am. This is what I do. So secondly, so you miss out on what could be. Number two is you'll start seeing anything outside the comfort zone as an inconvenience and an enemy. You'll look at growth as an enemy. Do you know that? I've had conversations with people who think growth is an enemy. Bringing in more people is an enemy. Say, what? We've totally mixed up again now what the purpose of the church is. We're not just to be comfortable and just go, this is, you know, our little, you know, this is us. Us four, no more. Here we are. Oh, I like my four. And if you don't like your four, then life really sucks. <laughs> but here it is. Right? Thirdly, is God can no longer use you. He loves you, but he can't use you. And that's just the straight up truth. As long as we stay stuck to that chair, no matter even if our pinky toe is still attached to it, we are still holding on to some past experiences. We're holding on to what we enjoy, to what we like, and not sure of what's going to happen next. As long as we let go and we trust God in all this, He will lead us and He'll show us that Ephesians 3.20. Now, why do people don't leave this chair? Two reasons. Number one, fear of the unknown. It's always there. But if you think about it, Everything we experience and everything we enjoy in this life, Jamie and I were just in New York this past week. Man, everything about that city was coming out of the chair. Everything that's developed, everything that's grown, every building that's there is a result of somebody stepping out of the chair, which I now look at and go, man, that's amazing. How, that's, that's beautiful. It was all because something was stirring in somebody to step out and to do something. That's all that it is. <clears throat> So why don't people leave is because fear of the unknown. They're fine just to keep things the way they are. The problem with that is that you're not usable, as we said. Now, I actually just want to say hello from the other side for a moment. Anybody know this? Hello from the other side. All right. So let's just, everybody, for a moment, let's all just wave at that chair. Now, we are stepped out of that chair. So now we're saying hello. We're saying goodbye. But hello now from the other side. Here we are. So this is you and I. We used to be stuck here. Like Heron, and we're, okay, this is where we are. And we've said, okay, God's called us. Boom, we're off. Uh, uh, okay, Jesus is calling me. This is so awkward. <laughs> Jesus. Ah. Okay, it's taken a few tries. So this is the last kick of the can. Okay, Jesus, I'm trusting you. And now we're here, okay? Now you're all with me? Your foot's not touching it anymore. Feet are off the ground. Now I want you to... Hey, hey. Hello from the other side. Let's talk about the other side for a moment. Okay? Psalm 107, verse 23 and 24 in the NASB. It says, Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord, and His wonders are in the deep. A lot of people, what do they want to do? They want to hang out at the shoreline. The beach is good. I like the beach. Sand is good. The sun is good. The rays are delicious. Look how brown I'm getting. But as a result, you actually, what the scriptures tell us here, we're not actually seeing the wonders of God. Man, when you read about Moses, you read about all the Old Testament prophets and all that they did for the Lord, and even New Testament guys, 
When you see all the things that they had done for the Lord, it was a result of them letting go of something that they previously known and stepping into something that they weren't completely sure of how it's going to look, what's going to happen. But they knew this. God was with them. God instructed them to go. So they're just in obedience. Every time you step out and obey, you have no idea what's on the other side of that. Man, you look at Moses. What was he designed and destined to do? He came out of Egypt, the best schools that you could possibly imagine. He knew he had the greatest teachers. He had the, the wealth, the world's wealth was at his fingertips. Yet he turned it all aside so that he could be called one like the Hebrew children. And yet in all this, he never looked back once to this because every time God provided. In the desert for 40 years, there is bread raining from the heavens. Manna. They, did, they said, what is it? I don't know. Manna, manna. I don't know. That's what Hebrew means. I, I, we don't know. Manna. Manna is, is raining down. Then at the same time, there's, he goes and he talks to a rock and water comes out of the rock. Man, all of a sudden he's standing before Pharaoh breathing down his neck. Big red sea in front of him. What does he do? He stretches out his rod. Are you kidding me? This is for like, Just think about that. We kind of go, oh yeah, he parted the sea. No, no, no. He parted the sea. <laughs> He absolutely brought destruction on all of Egypt. When there is complete darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. How does somebody do that? Somebody who's dared enough and stepped away from that comfort zone and saying, God, I'm all in. I got nothing else but to trust you. This is all that I got. God loves that. God's able to work with people like that. He's able to perform the mighty works. Listen, the world needs to see a church that is not just holding on to their comfort zone, yet at the same time worshiping Jesus like this. I love you, Jesus. It's all for you. I do everything for you. At the same time, we're holding on to everything that we know is comfortable. This is where I'm staying, though. Like, Jesus, I love you, but you know I'm staying right here. Listen, this world, this city needs to see a church who is okay letting go of what they know as normal and step out and go, God, I trust you. Because at that point, that's when God said, now I can show myself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect and loyal towards me. Man, I love that. That's where I want to live. That's where I want to be. So what I'm interested in doing is I know for my own, this is not just something collectively we do. We, We can do it collectively. But I mean, you have to make that personal choice within yourself. Am I willing to absolutely let go of everything I know here what may be comfortable. What am I comfortable in? Maybe it could just be a, you're, you're a closed door policy. Nobody has in any access into you. I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to make myself be known. I'm going to get to know somebody else in this church. I got, a lot of church. I got a lot of family in this room that I don't even know their name yet. I'm going to change that thought. This is going to be my first step coming out of that chair. I'm going to open myself up and say, hi, I'm Joel. Nobody's going to just come and start splitting seas right away. We got to start somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> right? We're okay with that? Okay. So don't be held hostage to your comfy chair, or in that fact, your comfy church. Just throw that in there. When getting out, there's new friendships awaiting. There's people to reach who need to experience the love of Jesus that only you can show. There's miracles to demonstrate. God wants to use you to perform miracles. Did you know they work better out there than they do in here? Why? Because that's what they need. How God views it, the miracles, the world needs the miracles. They need something. They need some divine intervention. The church, in God's mind, should already be operating it and living in it. Now, don't get me wrong. If you need one, God's able to meet that need hands down. But his mindset is, you church, you go out with everything that you've got. Let's go and let's reach this world. 
Let's go out. They need the miracles. You perform. You lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's his thinking. That's his mindset in all this. There's money to be earned to fund the gospel. There's some business ventures that, man, I got to step out and I got to get into. So what's on the other side of your comfort zone? I love for you. What, first this, define this for yourself. What is my comfort zone? What is it? What am I, what am I comfortable in? Am I comfortable just with how I, how I look and how things are at home and this is what my job is like? Am I okay with that? Just find out. Just challenge yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Because I found for myself, and we'll talk about it later, there's some areas that I've been comfortable in. And I'm realizing it and just keep going along doing the church thing. Realize he's not called me to maintain the present, but to build the future. We can't build the future if we're just holding on to what we've got. We've got to be willing to say, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm taking this. You know, anybody ever play the game Risk? Sure. Uh, anybody like that game, Risk? Okay, what's the purpose of the game Risk? To conquer. Thank you, Donovan. That's what I'm talking about. To take over the world. I feel like, you know, Pinky in the Brain? Every time we play that game, what are we going to do today, boys? I'm talking to myself. Well, Joel, today we're going to take over the world. How? One dice roll at a time. <laughs> but you know what you kind of find is actually in... We live in a culture now that worships comfort remember that saying no pain no gain that's completely thrown out the window look at how they want you to raise your kids outside you have to wear a helmet for tobogganing you have to be the, the caution it's a little wet here listen I'm not, not done playing that if you wear a helmet tobogganing safety that's great but I'm just saying what we've created is a generation coming up that are unsure to step out because of all these things you know you got Parents that are all over them, they're actually going to the interviews with their kids to make sure the boss is adequate for their kid. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Gonna go talk to their student. The, the student teacher interviews have become more so the parent to teacher interview. Are you good enough to teach my son? Well, we'll see about that. It's completely backwards, and so we've actually raised up. Now, the culture out there is actually, there's no more even taking ventures out, but it's actually to hold on to what you've got. Oh, I can't let my kids go out at this time. It's, you know, it's just, we, we created this culture, and I don't, we can't have that coming into the church when we're supposed to step out. Yes. We can't let fear hold us back to this chair, yes. holding us hostage. So anyways, back to risk. <laughs> but what I've even realized in my own game, rather than conquering the world, I'm looking at making deals with Eric and Marcel. Hey, if you don't attack me, I won't attack you. All right, we, we, we good, we good? What am I doing? I'm just trying to feel safe. What is the game all about? I'm going to knock you guys out so fast that you're going to be crying to your mama by the time I'm done with you. Bam. And meanwhile, what's happened? Let's, hey, let's make some deals. You don't attack me. I won't attack you. And so at the end of it, we're just a tie. So you've wasted four hours of your night planning to win, making deals with someone who owns Asia. You have little bitty Australia. Just let me get my two guys a turn. Don't hurt me. Don't attack me. I want my two extra guys, please. And, okay, sure, no, that's fine, that's fine. And you just build up your armies till there are 80 guys on a piece, and all of a sudden you just sit there, four hours, wasted your night, and you go, I didn't even win. I don't get it. <laughs> even the game of risk has changed. <laughs> so what is this whole life about? It's not just about playing it safe, and this is my point. The goal in life is not to make it safely to the end, but to boldly take new strides walking with God. I can't afford just playing it safe anymore. We gotta go forward. You've got to go forward. Why? Because there's more for you than what you've been experiencing. There's more. Now, we believe Ephesians 3.20, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. 
according to the power that works in us. If I believe that, then I can, I'm going to make sure that I'm coming off that chair because I trust a God who is able to do more than I could possibly imagine or think. When I step out, He's going to catch me every single time because I'm obedient to Him. I'm taking a step. And there's even been times, Lord, I don't know if this is proper, but I'm going to just go out and you got to tell me otherwise, but I'm going ahead and do this and I'm expecting you to guide me and to hold me up every step of the way. I've had to make those decisions. And I'm going to continue to do that again. Knowing this, that he's got my back. But what he does like is a church going out and trying something, doing something, rather than just playing it safe. We're we're comfortable here, Lord. Don't ask me to do more. This is really good. I'll I'll preach from here. I'm good. Nobody even wants to follow somebody like this. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Yeah. He wants more. He wants more for your life. Kind of. Right? Anyways, next, I'm going to just hit some, I'm going to throw some fast ones at you. All growth happens outside of your comfort zone. Refuse to be limited by the past because God has called you to create the future. Living by faith always causes you to stretch. I'm a steward of the future, not a maintainer of the past. And I'm going to learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. like that one. I'm going to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I've had to put myself in situations with other CEOs of businesses in the city, other pastors, ministers that, oh, I don't know if I should, I don't even know if I should be talking to you. You got to put yourself in there. I'm uncomfortable, but I'm going to make, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. How are you? And then you just sweat and you sit it out. (laughs) But every time you do that, Every time you step out, what happens? It becomes a little bit more normal. Okay, okay, yeah, that, I see that. Like even for me, going to Quebec last week was a major stretch. I've never done anything like that, representing a ministry, representing an organization that can license and ordain churches and pastors. So, sitting on that airplane, Lord, I don't even speak French. <laughs> as soon as actually I saw Louis pick me up, I said, Bonjour, no. <laughs> he said, Bonjour. That's what I meant. <laughs> but every time you go in, you just have to step out. <laughs> and as a result, the more that you do it, okay, now that becomes a comfortable. It becomes normal. And after, you know, once I kind of get that to be my next chair, I move my chair up here. Now I'm comfortable here. Next thing is going to happen. God's going to say, now time to go to the next place. Oh, my God, I just got this. Time to go to the next place. Right? Why? Because he wants to show himself strong for you. He wants to do more for you. Every time we always think, oh, God will heal. Yeah, he wants to do some that, he wants to do some powerful things through somebody else. No, think of it, you. He wants to use you. Why can't he use you to reach the entire nation of Canada? Why not? What's holding God back from doing it? Only one thing that holds me, holds God back from using me is I'm attached to this beautiful green chair. That's what's holding me back. So I refuse to let this thing keep me hostage no matter what it looks like. So even when change comes, go, okay, I, I see that. Okay, I can, I can bend a little bit more to that. Even if you're not, I mean, even when we took over the church, we start implementing this team system. I don't like that team system. Well, what happens is you just, you stay right there in your green chair and we're going to just hip hop right here. But what we have seen, and it's been amazing, is people actually start to go, you know what? Okay, I, it's a little uncomfortable, so I'm not going to go, jump all in quite yet. I want to see what it's really like. 
Oh, I hear about that. I see that. Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Okay, I'm in. And then they jump on board, and here we are. Now we're at the next comfort zone. Right? It's just steps. Whoo! So now the key to growth. How to grow. So the how to, John chapter 15. We doing okay? The reason I'm sharing this is because we as a team, as leaders here, we want you to grow. That's the heartbeat behind this whole thing is, yeah, impacting generations for Jesus. Well, how can you impacting somebody if there's no stretch, there's no growth in it? We got to reach them. We got to teach. We got to train. That's who we are. So John chapter 15. So this is the key to growth. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. Now, we're called to create. Another word for create is to produce. Right? But notice this. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce or doesn't create fruit. I'm not interested in being a branch that's cut off. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. For why? So what is pruning? Is the pruning process easy? Is it fun? No, it hurts so good though. (laughs) It's the worst and the best all at the same time. Because what does he want to do? He sees you, like this is God now view. He sees you making and popping out some fruit. And he goes, hey, this, this is a guy that's just like me. I like that. I can work with this. So what he'll do is now, as you see in verse 3, you be pruned and you're purified by the word. The word comes in and you start hearing it. The Lord starts sharing, word, sharing his word to you. What happens? It starts to go, oh, I need to change, I need to change some things in me. Oh, oh, God, that hurts so good. And as a result, as you're being cleaned and purified, the result is that you bear more fruit. What is on Jesus' mind for you? To bear fruit and bear more fruit. That's all that he's thinking. He sees the results that you have and goes, awesome. But listen, there's more. There's more. Every good coach that I've been part of on any kind of successful team, from Western Canada, playing volleyball and soccer, doing those things. Every coach that I've ever had was always said, Joel, I know there's more, and you pick it up. That stirred me up. If he would have just said, yeah, Joel, you know what? You are doing amazing. Just, just cap right there. Just stay right where you're at. Don't get any better. If you just stay just like this, you'll be a Western guy. That's, that's as far as you're going to go. Man, that's not enough. I want the nationals. I want the big stuff. I believe that's what you want as a believer. Imagine Jesus coming up to you and saying, you know what, Marcel, you're doing, a, you're doing a pretty good job. Just stay right here, don't do anything else, and uh, just be happy. You would be so frustrated. And eventually that chair is going to frustrate you because you, you're created for more. You can't help it. If you're always wondering, man, why am I frustrated in my Christian life? Why am I frustrated in a church service? Why am I frustrated during worship? It's maybe that because you're actually stuck on a chair. You worship the same way. You drive home the same way. Everything about you is the same. Every time the enemy attacks you, it's the same response. Change it up a little. Change it up a little. I, on purpose, drive home differently from different ways. Why? So I don't get used to the same thing. Everything about our life needs to change. Everything about you changes. Hair colors change. Haircuts change. Bodies change. I'm 30. Apparently, I can't eat as much chocolate as I used to. I don't get it. But verse 4, then he says, notice these words. So you're going to produce. You're going to create more fruit. That's what his goal is. But he's saying, how are you going to do that? Remain in me. Stick with me. Stick close to me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. 
Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father. Man, we are in the season, church, to producing great results for our Father so that everybody can know, oh man, this is a church that actually serves a living God. They don't need to see, oh, just a form of godliness, a form of Jesus. They need to see Jesus for who He is. They need to see Him. How are they going to see Him? You and I remaining. When we remain, we hear, we do. Every time He tells me, and when I'm actually... This is kind of funny, but every time that I'm sitting, I have a chair at home that I like to sit in in our office. And this is in that spot. This is where the Lord talks to me. He teaches me. He shows me things. He, you know, he prunes me. He talks to me in this way and I have to change some things. Okay, this is my, so from this point, when he tells me those things, all right, Lord, you told me, now I'm ready to go. Every time, but he's able to prune, he's able to do, and as a result, more fruit is being produced. That's what he wants to do for your life. That's what he craves. That's what he longs for. So... As a church family, sweetie, would you like to come up for a sec? I want to, we're going to just talk to you for a sec as pastors and what, uh, what our next venture as a church is happening for us. Uh, but we're in a very awesome place, as you know. Uh, do you want to say anything before we... It's really good. Okay. All right. You have to say that. <laughs> you don't. Okay. <laughs> so where we're at as a church family, and as you know, we are all growing Naturally speaking, we're growing as a church. I mean, you can see there's people that you may, may know or may not know. Why don't you take a look around? Hello. Shalom. Hello. Hey. We're growing naturally. We're growing spiritually. Our teams have expanded. People have absolutely taken on this place and not just saying, oh, I'm just a church goer. No, I'm a church builder. And we've got now over 105 leaders serving at this church from grade 7 all the way to 80. Like, man, it's amazing to see. And so what it is is because people understand the heart. They understand the vision. They know that they have a place, that God wants to use you, your gift. And here's an open door for you to use it. We're in this place where we can continue to grow. And so that's been very exciting. Um, And one of the scriptures, do you want to... You should maybe say something here. Okay. Okay. So, and before we just kind of touch on the next step for us as a church, um, the Lord gave us this verse in Isaiah chapter 54, in verse 2 through 5 in the message translation. But he told, I believe you guys remember this because we talked about it as a church family. This was last May. But he said, clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Think big. We're not going to insult God by thinking little. He is way too big of a God for us just to think this. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. So our next service, as our next step as a church family is to start a second service we're excited about it we're thrilled about it yeah thanks for the four claps that's awesome (laughs) we're looking at starting this second service in march 
uh, I believe it's March 3rd. Yeah, March 3rd, it's going to be Saturday night services. And what that is, it's going to look exactly the same as it does on a Sunday, have the same feel on a Saturday. We're not looking to have two different things going on. It's going to be the exact same. Mm-hmm. I'll let you do if you need to. Sure. Here is where I will add in. Um, I just want to share the heart behind why we're doing this is because we want to reach more people for Jesus. If we stay just in this one service, um, look around, there's not a lot of new family members that can be added. And in order to reach people that haven't been reached before, we have to do things that we haven't done before. And so we had it on our heart. Um, to be honest, us and our whole team, we'd probably prefer doing something on a Sunday. But God said specifically, do it on a Saturday night. It's a different net. It might be a different group that you're going to reach that way. It's a different opportunity. When you think of someone who's not a Christian, not raised in the church, and you say, hey, want to get up early on Sunday morning and come to church? And they're like, get up early on a church but on a saturday night it's a different opportunity yeah a different feel a different net and because the cool thing about it too is that there's no churches that we are aware of that have a saturday night service there's a lot of churches that have a few on sunday morning and that works for them doing a sunday morning even for us naturally speaking won't work as you can see the parking is wonderfully challenging to find uh and so that's one of the reasons even Saturday night looks like a great opportunity and it looks like a huge open door for us to say, yeah, you know what? We are a church. We do Saturday night. So yeah. um, what will it be like? It'll be, as we said, similar to our Sunday morning services. It's the same experience, uh, same service, same heart, same message, same, 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 right? Mm-hmm. We just want to duplicate what we are and what we, as the team have to pour into a, another venue. Yeah. And so one of the things the Lord put on our hearts, the reason why we're saying all this is we know from the Holy Spirit just bearing witness inside of us that there are people in this church that are called to help us launch a Saturday night service. Mm-hmm. That are specifically said, yeah, you know what? I am called to be part of Saturday night service. Um, I'll just leave it at that. That's what he said. Yep. To be part of something bigger than themselves and advancing the church in the city of Red Deer. This is our first step because, I mean, we could talk about some big steps over there, but right now our chair is going to move from here to here. So... Uh, because there's lots. The Lord is showing us lots. But this is our next step as a church family is to start a second service. And so here we are. And so we're thankful for all of everyone that's here to be able to help and already make this thing what it is. You've brought this church to such a place that we can't do it anymore on a Sunday morning. Yeah. So rock Ooh, on. That's, that's amazing. That's it's like, thank, so thank you. We've outgrown this thing because of all the leaders that we have. And now as a result, is it going to be a stretch? Yeah, it's going to stretch just like anything, any kind of growing pains that you have you experiencing a stretch. So right now, this is, what we're, this is what the Lord has put on our heart. This is what the Lord has called and asked us to do. Mm-hmm. So we want to thank you for being part of it. And if this is something like, yeah, this Lord's stirring on your heart, talk to our team, talk to us about it. Let us know because we're ready to rock and roll come the beginning of March. Yeah. And uh, we're going to kick it off from there. Yeah, so you can be, um, just pray about that. Pray about what your role is in this because like Pastor Joel said, we heard that strongly in our heart. There are some people here that are called to launch this this thing with us. So pray about it and you'll hear in uh, the next month or so when there's going to be an info session about the launching of the second service. And uh, you could even just come out to that just to hear what it's going to be like and what it'll take. But we're happy to do this together as a family. Yeah, we're thrilled. We're excited. Make make plenty of elbow room for your growing family. I'm excited about that, man. Seeing people come to know Jesus. Man, people that have a heart to serve the Lord. Man, this is an awesome opportunity. I believe that you're going to be...